0: Turn with me to two openings this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand real high. And let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and then also we'll go to Luke 4. Romans 1, Luke 4. We began a few weeks back on a new series, and these have been our main texts. And we'll begin in verse 15 of Romans 1. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I am ready to proclaim the gospel. Now, the word gospel means good message, good tidings, good news. It's the good message. Good. And verse uh, 16, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good message, the good news of Christ. For it is, the gospel is, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Not just to everybody that hears it, but to everybody that believes it. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For everybody. The reason you're born again is because you heard the gospel and you believed the gospel and you acted on your belief. Well, why would you say I'm not ashamed of the gospel? If you couldn't be ashamed or if you were never tempted to be ashamed, if there was never any pressure to be shamed about the gospel, this would be irrelevant. There'd be no need to say it or bring it up. But it is relevant. And all of us have been tempted to be ashamed of some aspect of the gospel, whether you realize it or not. The ungodly world and the unsaved world will try to bring pressure to shame you about believing the good news. In Luke 4 and 18, Jesus spoke about this. Luke 4, 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to do what? Preach Preach means proclaim the good news. Proclaim the good message to the poor. Now what is the good news to the poor? A whole lot of good church going folks would say the good news to the poor is you can be born again. That's the gospel. But is it? That's actually the good news to the lost. Look at the rest of the passage. He sent me to heal the broken hearted. What's good news to the broken hearted? You can be born again. No. No. You can be healed. To preach deliverance to the captives. What's good news to the captives? You can be born again. No. Delivered. Recovering of sight to the blind. What's good news to the blind? You can be born again. No. You can see. And good news to the, those that are bruised. That can be set at liberty. They can be liberated. They can be free. Millions of good Christians. People that love the Lord. Thoroughly saved. Would try to shame people like you and me. That believe that the gospel. Includes not just good news to the lost, but also good news to the sick, and also good news to the poor, and also good news to the mentally oppressed and depressed, and uh, I've had people that tried to shame me with, with letters and messages and face-to-face. I've had people that tell me, you know, we don't preach all that healing stuff. We just preach the gospel. And they're very serious. They're very adamant. They think they they were saying, "I was off. I'm in error. I'm pre- I'm not preaching the gospel." Cuz I'm preaching faith and healing. And certainly if I'm preaching prosperity, I'm way off. I'm not I'm not preaching the gospel. But now go to Acts 14 and let's examine this a little closer. Acts 14 Paul and his company sent out by the Holy Spirit go to these different parts that have never heard about Jesus. And in verse 7, what did they do in Acts 14, 7 when they got there to these towns? What did they do? There they preached denomination. Social reform. Huh? Politics, being green, (laughs) proper diet, fear of the end times, it's so easy to get off and preach all manner of things except what the Lord told us to preach. No, they preached the gospel, not a gospel, the gospel. Gospel. The gospel. The Spirit of God through Paul was very clear and plain about this that there is one and only one gospel. They preached the gospel. Now, you'll see well let me just read it. Verse 8, there was a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. And the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Here's a man's got faith to be healed. How does faith to be healed come? Faith comes by hearing. The Bible's very plain. Where did he hear something that gave him faith to be healed? When did he hear it? The same heard Paul speak. What did Paul's preach? Can you get faith to be healed from hearing the gospel? Could you get faith to be healed today from what many preachers call the gospel? Do they ever say anything about healing? then are they preaching the same gospel Paul was preaching? If you preach the same gospel Paul preached, people who hear it can get faith not only to be born again, they can get faith to be healed. No, God didn't just drop faith out of the blue into his heart to be healed. The faith came from what he heard. He must have heard something to the effect. That Jesus not only took his sins. But he took his infirmities. And bore his sicknesses. And carried his pains. And that it was God's will for him to be healed. Someone says well maybe he didn't. He had to have. If he had heard anything to the degree. That it might be God's will to heal. And it might not be. There's no way he could have gotten faith to be healed. From hearing it. If I had a roll of $100 bills in my pocket here. And I said, Whoo, the Lord has blessed me. I want to give 50 people in this place today a $100 bill each. (laughs) If I said that. (laughs) Could you have faith to receive a $100 bill? And if you came up and said, thank you, I will take my $100 bill now, And if I said, who told you I would give you a $100 bill? What would you say? No, I didn't. I did not. I said I would give 50 people in this place. I did not call your name. Yeah, but I'm going to believe that I will be one of the 50. Based on what? You could wish you would be one. You can't believe it because there's nothing to base your believing on. Come on, can you see this? That's why if you say, you know, it's God's will to heal some and some, it may not be his will to heal. You cannot get faith to be healed from hearing that. Impossible. You couldn't get faith to be born again if you heard it might be God's will to save you, but it might not be. We just don't know. No way you could have faith. You have to believe it's God's will for you to be healed you to be saved. You've got to believe it. In order to have faith, you've got to hear it. Yeah. Well, if there's faith, you can get faith to be healed from hearing the gospel. I wonder if you could get faith to prosper. Yes. Is there good news to the lost? Yes. Is there good news to the sick? Yes. Is there good news to the poor? Yes. Now see, there are many that are trying to shame us, people like us, for even saying anything about money or prosperity, because they're saying, oh, that's not not spiritual, that's not important. God doesn't care about those kind of things. And the implication is, if folks don't come right out and say it, that, you know, well, the way things are is the way they're supposed to be. God has seen fit to bless some people with some wealth, and others are just dirt poor, and, and we don't know why it's that way, but it's the mysterious will of God is it now? No. And people believe the same thing about healing, you know. Some people enjoy good health throughout their whole life, other people are sick their whole life, and we just don't know, but we don't want to argue with God's will. People say, "Well, there must be a reason why it's that way." Well, sure, there must be a reason. That don't make it the will of God. Because there's a reason. That's right. Come on, are you with me, friends? There's all kind of things going on in this earth. That's not the will of God that doesn't that's actually grievous to God displeases him. Well, why does he allow it? He allows it because men allow it because he gave us a free will and much of the population has decided to reject him and forget about him and go their own way. And that's the cause of all the pain and terrible stuff on the planet. But before the fall, there was no pain, there was no death, there was no curse, there was no trauma. You see in the book of Revelation, after everything is restored, have you read it? No pain, no sorrow, no crying, no dying. That was the will of God, that will be the will of God. All this junk happening in the middle is not an improvement on God's plan. It's the result of man's sin and the resulting judgment. No, no. Sin is not the will of God. Death is not the will of God. Did you know death is an enemy? Right. Yep. First Corinthians 15 calls death the last enemy that shall be put under foot. I've even heard some preachers talk about, yeah, you know, God took them with sweet death. Death ain't sweet. Oh. <laughs> right. Death is an enemy. That's why, even though you know that you're saved and you know you're going to heaven, if the body starts to die, your natural instinct is to fight it and to live. Why? Because we weren't made to die. We weren't originally designed to die. In fact, it took the devil nearly a thousand years to cause the first people to die. They didn't know how to die. Now He's got people dying in two or three decades. You know, he's, he's got it down to an art now, No, just because people are suffering and hurting in sickness and poverty and sin and and mental oppression, none of that has ever been the will of God. And the good news, oh, come on now, the good news to the lost person is you don't have to stay lost. You can be born again. You can be gloriously saved. Tell me about some good news to a sick man. It is not God's plan for you to stay sick and you to stay down. You can be healed. Everywhere Jesus went, people got healed. Come on, is it true? Everybody that ever came to Jesus to be healed, left healed. Not that, come on, among thousands and thousands, surely, if some people's doctrine is right, among tens of thousands, there would have been at least a couple of ones that wasn't God's will to heal. There were two or three that the Lord would have said, you know, the Lord's working something out in your life. I'm sorry. I can't minister this to you right now. It's part of his predestined plan for you. Not a one. See, all of this stuff has been concocted by confused men and women, preachers in particular, that prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. And instead of admitting we must have missed it somewhere, they came up with these doctrines that it's not the will of God. But it's not true. It's not in agreement with the Bible. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Proverbs, the 10th chapter. There is nothing good about sin. Nothing. If you give a testimony, beware of glorifying sin. It's not because of your sin. That good things happened to you. It was in spite of it. If you got to God in the gutter, don't give glory to the gutter. Right. And by the same token, all the fruit of the judgment for sin, sickness, poverty, all of that, don't glorify any of that. People say, well, you know, God put this sickness on me so I'd get closer to him because I was going astray and, and when I was down at my lowest I found him and I got back to him so I thank him for, for that sickness that is not right giving glory to the sickness well you know when I was so broke and I was so down it's when I found God well all that may make you is hard headed <laughs> who said you couldn't have found it out Without having to get to that place. And we're not. Mocking the poor. Or the sick. No sir no ma'am. In fact beware. Of ever making fun. Of people that have less than you. The Bible speaks very strongly about this. About shaming those. Who have not. And about mocking. Because except for the grace of God. Every one of us could be living on the street today. Right with nothing. It is only by the grace and goodness of God. We're not against poor people, but we are against poverty. We're not against sick people. We love sick people, want to help sick people, but I am against sickness. I despise it. I hate it. That's a strong word. I'll say it again. I hate cancer. I hate AIDS. I hate it. I hate it. It's not of God. It's evil. That's right. yes. And I hate poverty. Yes. There are people on this planet. That are starving to death. To death. For lack of a decent meal. Now that's evil. Yes. How many would agree that's an evil thing. Yes. There's nothing good about that. That's right. Well there's also people. They got enough to eat. But they don't have enough to clothe their children properly or or to pay their bills decently. That is the same evil stuff, just a lesser degree of it. Same evil stuff, just varying degrees. Now in Proverbs 10, look at this. Proverbs 10 and 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is what? What is poverty doing for the poor? It's destroying them. Today's English version says. Poverty destroys the poor. The NIV says. That poverty is the ruin. Of the poor. To say that it's God's will. For some people to be poor. Is the same as saying it's God's will. For some to be destroyed. And we know it's not his will. That any should perish. Don't we know this? Well how have things gotten so twisted and so warped that people act like poverty could be a blessing in disguise. Being deathly ill could be a blessing in disguise. It's not a blessing in disguise or otherwise. It's a curse, curse, curse. It's evil. And we found out last time, glory to God, we've been redeemed from the curse. Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. somebody say "I'm I'm not cursed. I am blessed. So what is good news to the poor man, the poor woman? What's good news? Look in Psalm 113. Here's some good news to the poor. We know it's in the good news about Jesus. We know it's the gospel. But in Psalm. one thirteen, Verse 7. He talking about God. He raises up the poor. Out of the dust. He lifts the needy. Out of the dung hill. Verse 8, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. God's word translation says, he lifts the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from a garbage heap. He seats them with influential people, with the influential leaders of his people. Now, there's a great big difference between sitting in a garbage pile, And sitting at a table with leadership. Sitting. In a stinky garbage pile. Wearing rags. And eating garbage. Or sitting at the boardroom table. In a nice suit. Smelling good. Which one's the will of God? The easy to read translation says. He lifts the poor out of the dirt and rescues beggars from the garbage dump. He puts them in important positions, giving them a place among the leaders of his people. That's good news. Come on, brother, sister. If you're sitting on a garbage pile and somebody told you it's the will of God to lift you up out of that garbage pile and take you all the way to the penthouse, would that be good news to you? You see, a lot of people like to sit in their relative comfort and go, well, I don't care about all that kind of stuff. If you're sitting on the garbage pile, you'd be more interested in it. Well, the age of miracles is past. When you need one, you become a lot more open to the subject. (laughs) There are people, too many, on the planet right now rummaging through garbage heaps. Looking for something to eat. Looking for something to wear. Don't you believe for a minute that it's God's will for one of them to be in those circumstances. Don't you believe it. Never was it God's will for a man or woman to have to grovel and beg and live like that. Never has been his will. Never will it be his will. Tell me what the good news is. He lifts The poor out of the dust. He lifts the needy from the garbage heap. And he sits them with princes. That's good news. I said that's good news. He saves the lost. He heals the sick. He provides for the poor. Come on. Good news. And I am not ashamed of any part of the good news. And Nobody is going to shame me into backing off. Of this good news. And every part of it. Yes. How about you? Yes. Said out loud. I am, not I am not ashamed. Of the good news. The good news. Of Christ. Of Christ. Whew. Lord, not ashamed. Go with me if you would. To Psalm 78. I'm excited about this series. Of course that's nothing new. I pretty much live excited. It's a good way to live. I highly recommend it. But uh, I've touched some things that I believe we'll get to through this series, and man, it's exciting. It's it's a a category of people that a whole lot of folks don't attain to. Mm, have to watch or I'll start preaching it to you. But. <laughs> But don't let these things be too simple for you that we're dealing with right now because in order for us to qualify for some of these extraordinarily good things we need to be purged of every remnant of poverty mind and poverty spirit. And don't think you don't have any. Don't kid yourself. Uh, There's so much of this lingering, and there are limitations and restrictions, even in so-called word and faith people's lives, that are keeping them out of the next level of things and keeping good things from them. And I'm leaving the Lord to help us identify this, because you can't deal with it till you see it. But then when you see it and identify it, and the Lord puts his finger on it, by the grace of God, you can get free. You you can change and get free and believe the gospel. Uh, For years now, decades, it has puzzled me and troubled me and annoyed me the way so many are so intense and bitter and judgmental. About other folks that have more than they do. Have you observed these things as well? There are many. Including among Christians and preachers. That just stick their nose where it doesn't belong. That i got all kind of adamant opinions about other people's lifestyle. And what they have and what they spend and what they do. And I've thought so many times. Why would they care? What is it to them? And oh, yeah, but people are very much stirred up about it and judgmental and bitter. And the Lord has showed me some things about it here and there, endeavoring to understand. But we get to it in this passage here. There are factors in people's lives that are choking them. And let me just read this and then we'll explain it further. Psalm 78, about verse 11, this whole passage deals with the great things God did for His people Israel when He brought them out of Egyptian bondage. But it kept saying, even through the prior verses to this and then after this, that they forgot what God had done and what He could do. And they didn't believe Him. And they didn't trust Him. Verse 11, they forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed to them. Verse 12, marvelous things that he did in their sight of their fathers and the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. Verse 13, he divided the sea, he caused them to pass through, he made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. These are amazing things, aren't they? Spectacular. He claved the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink as out of the great depths. Verse 16. He brought streams out of the rocks. He caused waters to run down like rivers. Out in the middle of dry, desolate, barren desert, the rocks cracked open and floods came out like a small river for everybody and all their camels and their cows and their goats in the middle of the desert. 17. They, yet, they sinned more against Him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. Verse 18, they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. And verse 19, they spoke against God. And they said, here's how they spoke against Him. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Verse 20, He smote the rock. The waters gushed out. Streams overflowed. Yeah, he did that. But can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Can he? Can he? Can he? Verse 21. Therefore the Lord heard this. What did he hear? Can he? And he was wroth. Fire was kindled against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel. Let me read Young's uh, literal translation of this. Verse 19. They speak against God. And they say, is God able to array a table in the wilderness? Verse 20. Is he able to give? God's Word translation. Let me read this to you. Verse 19. Now see, we, we're we reading Words that are actually from uh, Hebrew to English, sometimes through another medium, happened long ago. But you got to put yourself there. They've got attitude. And it is bitterness. And it's a sarcastic. Can God do this out here for me? in these circumstances made god angry he goes on to say verse 19 they spoke against god and they said can god prepare a banquet in the desert true he did strike a rock and the water did gush out and the streams did overflow but can he also give us bread or provide us his people with meat when the lord heard this he became furious His fire burned against Jacob and his anger flared up at Israel. Why? Verse 22. Why? What made him mad about this? Because they did not believe God or trust him to save them. In spite of that, he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained manna down to them to eat and gave them grain from heaven. This is the God's Word translation. And humans ate the bread of the mighty ones and God sent them plenty of food. In spite of all this, they continued to sin and they no longer believed in his miracles. And it was all summed up in this expression, can God do it? Now, a lot of folks would listen to this and go, well, you know, I wouldn't say that. Can God do it? You may already have and just not realize it. It's not just the mechanics of the speech, it's the spirit of it. Remember we talked about this phrase, I can't afford it? Let's examine this some more. If you say I can't afford it, what do you mean? Isn't that oftentimes equal to saying I can't have it? Or I'll never have it. Why can't you have it? Why would you never have it? And here we begin to see the real root of why people are so annoyed and judgmental at people that have more than they do. It's bitterness and despair and hypocrisy. Somebody's got a nicer house than they do. Somebody's got a nicer car. Somebody's got more stuff. And you'll hear people say, ah, you know, I I wouldn't want a big house like that anyway. You know, it's too much to clean, too much to keep up with. And they're being dishonest. I said, they're being dishonest. Oh, no, I really wouldn't want one like that. No, you have talked yourself into that. And if you do that long enough, you can deceive yourself. But the reason people have said that is because they don't believe it will ever happen so they don't want to just live with disappointment so they try to convince themselves that they don't want it and so then to be judgmental of somebody else that has it i've, I've heard people say dumb stuff about cars one guy got a car this was years ago and and uh it was the stripped-down model. And another person got the high-end model. It had every bell and whistle on it. And he was looking at it was, you know, I saw that. And I thought about getting that. And, you know, it's nice and all. But, you know, all that electrical stuff, those electric windows and, and all that, you know, that stuff will start going bad after a few years. And, and I, I, I didn't want all that. I, I wanted the ones, you know, that you can crank. You can count on that. liar (laughs) you're lying you know you wanted the good stereo you know you wanted the power seats you know you did you just didn't believe you could ever get it come on are you listening now you didn't believe it could happen so you're believing it can't happen that's never going to happen for me I'm never going to live in a house like that. I'm never going to drive a car like that. That's never going to happen. And that's okay because I don't care. And if this is what God... You're being a hypocrite. You do care. And it is a failure to trust God and believe in Him. When you say, I can't ever have that. And you get bitter when you see somebody else that does. You're believing if you believe God is real. You're believing he's not good. And you're believing he doesn't love you. And you're believing he's not fair. All of which are evil. Evil unbelief. Now skip on down to the 40th verse of this same chapter. Let me read the New English Testament of verse 19 through 22 before we do that. This is New English, N-E-T, says they insulted God. How many think that's a bad idea? (laughs) They insulted God saying, is God really able to give us food in the wilderness? Yes, he struck a rock and the water flowed out and streams gushed forth. Can you see this kind of bitter, hypocritical unbelief makes light of the blessing of God makes little and particularly in other people's life oh yeah they got their little multi-million dollar house and their little frou-frou stuff well good for them whoop de doo you're a hypocrite the truth is you want it no I don't no I don't I'm, I've prayed through and I got free from all that materialism
1: <laughs>
0: you're a liar you're a hypocrite you know you want it. <laughs> Why do people come up with all that stuff? Because in their heart, they don't believe there's any way they will ever get it or ever have it. And they don't believe God can do it. They may not have just come right out and said it, but they don't believe He can do it in their life, where they live, working where they do, in their part of town. This year, this economy, even though they may not be saying the exact words, they are, through their actions and other phrases, saying, can God do it? That angers the Lord. It goes on to say, they said, can he give us food? Will he provide meat for his people? Verse 22, because they did not have faith in God and they did not trust his ability to deliver them after he had spared them from the plagues of the flies and the lice and uh, all the junk that came through and split the Red Sea and water out of the rock and fire in the sky and manna from heaven, he expects them to believe he can do something. Come on, do you see that? He expects something out of them now. And they still look him in the face and sarcastically say, Can God do it? Can God do it? Can God do it? That'd make you mad too. You'd go, shut up. (laughs) Can God do it? I reckon I got you this far. Been feeding you every day. Can God do it? Made him angry. You know that bunch perished out there too, didn't they? Yes. They died young yep. and they died wrong. Yep.
1: That's right. That
0: is right. That's not going to be me. How about you? That's not going to be me. I am not sassing the Lord. I am not sarcastic and bitter. You get blessed with a hundred times more than me. I'm going to shout over it. I'm going to go, go, go. Tell me how you did that. I'm not going to be bitter, not going to be jealous, and I'm not going to believe that any good thing is out of reach. When God is my God, it can happen. And it can happen for me. It can happen where I live. You know, for decades and not too many years ago, there wasn't a preacher that had a decent car to drive or a decent place to live. Was a rare, rare, rare thing. And a preacher that had an airplane? Forget about it. Why? Because they did. I've actually had. I'm thinking of a young man right now. Sat across from me. And told me. He knew he had a call on his life. But he was not going to obey and pursue it. Because he did not want to be broke all his life. And he had relatives that were in the ministry. And how, saw how broke and how basically beggars they were all their life. And he was not going to live like that. So he wasn't going to obey the call. He believed lies. I said he believed lies. Because you can obey God and you can also be blessed. Can God bless you being a preacher? Can God bless you? Working on the grounds? Being a custodian? Yes, sir. God can bless you. Joseph was a slave. He was the property of Potiphar. And the Bible said he was a rich man. God can bless you anywhere. Anywhere in any. Can God. Come on help me out. Yes he can. Yes he can. And if he can. Do the same thing for me. Why do I have to be envious. At somebody else's blessing. Can you see how it will free you up if he can and will and loves me, I don't have to get mad because somebody paid a big bunch of money for something. What's that to me? Their spending that money is not taking anything away from me. That's not my money. It's theirs. If they're wasting it, they'll have to give an account before him. That's none of my business. That's between him and them. Can you see it? Skip on down to verse 40. Verse 40 says, How oft... Did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, verse 41, they turned back and tempted God and did what? Limited Limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42, they remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from their enemy. They tempted him. How did they tempt him? This can God stuff. They provoked him to anger and tempted him with this God can't do it. You know, think about what all the most of the church. God is hearing this out of most of the church. All the age of miracles has passed away and all that's God doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. And we can't have that. We can't do this because we can't get that. And we can't. You know, people don't realize it. But none of this stuff's going to fly when you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And he asked, why didn't you do what I told you to do and called you to do? And you look at him and say, I didn't have any money. So he's going to go, oh, right. You didn't have any money. No big deal. Next. <laughs> Some years ago, I was praying seeking the Lord about a particular project. And, uh, you know, thinking maybe I spent too much on that. Or maybe maybe this is a little too much for that. And I was really trying to watch about... Cutting corners and this and that. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, son, I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me, real strong. He said, I don't care how much it costs. Just get the job done. And I've meditated on that for days. I thought, he really don't care (laughs) how much it costs. He creates planets. You think he's going to labor because you spent an extra $129 on something? (laughs) You think he's even going to pause to think about that? He creates solar systems, stars. He doesn't care about that. I don't know of anybody that's going to get rewards in heaven for saving the most money. Think about that. But no. The New King James says... They turned again and again. They tempted God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. The Living Bible says it like this. They limited the Holy One of Israel from giving them his blessings. Amen. Now a lot of people, it chafes them to even hear this about limiting God. Uh, you see some of the modern translations, they lost their courage and wouldn't put that word in there. They should have. Yes, that's right. Look up the root. You'll see it means mark out. A boundary. It's a limitation. That's what a limitation is. The, when it says they limited him. What is holding people? What is restricting people? And God's blessing in their life. I call it the can he cap. Can he question mark. Cap. A cap means the maximum limit. Limit means the furthest boundary or point. It means the restriction. You can't go any further. They were telling when they said, can God do this? Can God do this? The implication is he can't, can he? And if they say he can't, that's where they capped themselves. It's not that he couldn't do it. But he's limited from doing it for them. This is where we begin to see it. Now, do you have a limit in your life? Is there a cap where you get to and you really don't know if God could do that? Let me answer it for you. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yes, you do. And the question is, is it here? Or here. Or here. But there's a point, there's a place where something comes up and you go, oh yeah, God can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I ate something, felt funny. My belly's a little funny. Yeah, God can heal that. I stumped my toe. Oh yeah, God can heal that. Skipped my elbow. Oh yeah, God can heal that. Got a headache. Yeah, God can heal that. You're diagnosed with terminal cancer. Ooh. Can God heal that. There's no difference with Him. He he can heal the one just as easily as the other. But if you get capped in your mind and you think, man, I just don't know. I don't know. I hope so. But can He, you know, they, they said this is such and such in the such and such stage and can He do it now? It's kind of late. Can He... Oh, he could. But if you believe that, you're capped. Oh, yeah, God could get me my lunch money today. Oh, yeah, God could get us money, you know, to make it by the end of the week and a tank of gas. And yeah, God, you know, could God get you enough money to go buy that car cash? Just go buy it, pay for it, drive it off the lot. Uh, oh, I'm sure he's done that. And for others and I know he does that kind of and oh I know he's able I know he's you're dancing around can he do it for you your life where you are what you're doing now can he do it for you oh you know I. I'm sure he could oh he could if it was his will See, that gets you out of having to believe anything. Well, it's all up to him. It's it's not. Being born again is not all up to him. And being healed is not all up to him. And prospering is not all up to him. Being delivered is not all up to him. You got to believe something. I said you got to believe something. Believing is a commitment. You got to step out and believe something. You can't see how it could happen. See, that's what they could not see. They're out in the desert and they can't see. There's no grocery stores. There's no ranches. There's no farms. How is God going to feed these couple of million people with meat and bread and and everything? God's going to throw us a banquet out here in these sand dunes from what? From where? Oh yeah. He did the little water trick out of the rock. But now can he do this? It made God mad. I said it made him mad. He was wroth. And they paid the price for it. Where's your cap? We're not talking about your brother's cap. Or your sister's (laughs) cap. Or your neighbor's cap. Are your spouse's cap? We're talking about your cap. Where where is your cap? Your limit to where you are balking and you are sputtering and you're making excuses and you just don't see how and you don't know if and because the Lord would take us beyond it. I said the Lord would take us. You and me brothers. He would take us beyond this. He would break this limit. How many know the anointing destroys the yoke. It removes the burden. And his word is anointed. These words are anointed. His spirit is here. I believe this word is coming into you and coming into me. It will work in you the rest of today. It'll work in you tonight. It'll work in you tomorrow morning. And it'll start breaking and cracking. Come on, are you listening? And expanding and enlarging on the inside of you. And it may be tomorrow or the next day or next week. But you'll look up and you'll go, yes, he can. Yes, he can. And you won't be just a talking. You'll be actually believing it. Yes. Faith is beginning to come up in you. Yes, he can. Hallelujah. I can have my own house in place. I can have it paid for. Yeah. I can have a good way of trying. I can. I can do what I need to do for my kids and my grandkids. I can do this. I can do it this year. Yeah. I can do it working where I need to work. I can do it. It makes no difference how old I am My gender, my color, my background Got nothing to do with it Yes, God can He can do it in Branson He can do it in Missouri He can do it in Arkansas He can do it at my house He can do it at my house Do it for me Do it for my kids Yes, He can Yes, He is Yes, he will. No smart stuff coming out of my mouth. Can God? No, sir, no, ma'am. I'm just going to say, yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Go with me to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. Thank you, Master. I've been believing for clarity in some of these areas for years and years. People, you know, people just get mad. A lot of times they hear about prosperity and they just get mad and they get upset. The devil wants to keep them away from this light. And they've been taught wrong for years at church. And a lot of times through their parents and grandparents, they were taught lies. And they, they didn't mean to, just ignorance and confusion. But they have embraced poverty like a friend, they've identified with poverty. I'm poor. That's me. It's my life. And again, we, there's no mockery. There should be no shaming. If you're in challenging circumstances, most of us in here have been. But don't embrace it. It's not a friend. And poverty is not just a financial condition. It is a spiritual condition. And it is a mental and soulical condition. Look in 3 John 2. They put it up on the screen for us. You know it. 3 John 2. What did the verse say? Beloved, I wish above all things that you may what? Is that good news to somebody that's not prospering? That God wishes above all things that they would prosper. That's good news. And be in health. That's good news to a sick man, sick woman. How's it going to happen? Even as... Your soul prospers. What does that mean? Being healthy in your body, you're being prosperous in your material and financial life is linked to, connected to, inseparable from your soul prospering. You're not going to be a prosperous person on the outside before you become a prosperous person on the inside. And when the symptoms leave your body is not when you became a healed person. You become a healed person on the inside while the symptoms are still there. Come on, are you listening? And then what's outside has to line up with what's inside. And you can be living in abject poverty. But instead of identifying with your circumstances and lack, you can identify with your Lord. You can identify with Christ and say, out here, I may be broke, but in him, I'm rich. In him, I'm healed. In him, I'm free. I'm made righteous, sanctified, holy, redeemed. I'm already Complete in Him. You know, there are people that have a lot of money that people would call rich. On the inside, they're still poor people. They don't even enjoy what they got. Scared they're going to lose it. Trying to pinch every penny. They're rich in stuff, but inside they're still broke. Can't enjoy anything. Well, by the like token, you could not have two quarters to rub together and already be rich on the inside. You could, you could be rich right now in him. How's it going to happen Being ha- that you prosper and be in health? How? Even as your are so. That's your insides. You see yourself coming out of this. You see yourself doing well. You see yourself healed. You see yourself free in him. Even though it doesn't look or feel that way, yet you come out. There was a time when Phyllis and I, bless our hearts, we were driving junky pieces of junk and and living in squalor, old furniture that people had worn out three or four generations ago. (laughs) Just junk, patch, you know, stuff with holes and stuff. You Well, it beat having nothing. Yeah, come on. But there came a time when we began to see ourselves differently. We begin to see ourselves not under, but on top. Amen. Not to tail, but to head. Yeah. Come on, are you listening? Yeah. We begin to see ourselves not needing somebody to give us a handout, but being able to be used of God to help somebody out. Come on, do you believe that's what the Lord wants to do with this whole church? Yeah. This whole church. Yeah. Glory to God. In the beginning days of the church, you've read it in the book of Acts. It said there uh, there was not one poor person among them, one needy person among them. There were thousands of them in the church. If he could do it then, he could do it today. Can God? Yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can do it here. He can do it now. He can do it for us. We believe it. We believe it. Look in 2 Corinthians 9. This is shouting ground. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. I want you to read that first phrase for me. What does it say? Huh? Uh, Let me hear it a little bit better. What do you say? You, You believe that? God's able to do what? To forgive you of all your sins. He's able to save you from hell. Yes, yes, yes. But that's not what this is talking about. What's God able to do? His grace. See, there's grace. Not just for your spiritual life. There's grace for your physical life too. And there's grace for your financial life too. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. So to the end that what? You always. That's not sometimes. Always, always Always having all, suffic- all sufficiency is not almost. Nope. In all things. That's not just in two or three areas. You may abound to every good work. Look at the amplified on this. The amplified. God is able. Oh, you ought to say it again. God is able. God is able. Say it again. God is able. God is able. Can God yes. spread a table in the wilderness?
1: Yes.
0: Can God?
1: Yes, He can.
0: Huh? Yeah. Put you in a nice house, put oh, yeah. you in a nice place. Yeah. In this economy, yeah. in this real estate market, yeah. Yeah. huh? With your job?
1: Come oh, yeah. on.
0: See, not everybody's not in their heads at me. Some folks are looking at me like it's hard out there, brother Keith. Don't identify with your circumstances. Right. Don't let that tell you what you are. And limit you. And cap you. Believe this. God is able to make all grace. Every favor and earthly blessing. Earthly. Earthly. Down here. Come to you in abundance. So that you may always. And under all circumstances. And whatever the need. Be self-sufficient. Now, you are dependent on God, but you're not dependent on any other man or woman or government or mama or daddy or anybody. Now, see, it's a wonderful thing to help people that are in tough circumstances, but God never intended that any poor man or woman look to the church as their provider or to any wealthy person as their provider. Because that's taking the place of God. That's right. And that's still them having to come to you with their hand out. That's humiliating. That's, right. that's not the will of God for anybody to have to kowtow and bow down and be dependent on you or me or anybody. They don't have to. They can have the same source. Right. The same source I've got, this church has got, everybody's got the same source. I don't have to beg you, you don't have to beg me, we can just go straight to him. Yes. Straight to the source. And yes. we can always, under all circumstances, and whatever the need be self-sufficient, but possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Hallelujah. All the bills paid, yes. plenty of money. Yes given to this good work and that good work and this mission and that church and this outreach somebody say that's me that's me that is me i am the blessed of the lord i am the rich of the lord thank you lord ephesians 3:20 i want you to notice this one a lot of you know it but i want you to notice it again ephesians 3:20 this king james now unto him that is what he's what Can God do it? He is able. Not only to do. What I need done. Or what I've asked done. Or what I've thought. He's able to do exceeding. Abundantly above. Can he do it? Not only can he do it. He can exceed it. He can go way above. Anything you have asked or thought. What he can do? Do we do we really have any inkling of how big our God is? Come on, have you ever looked out over the Pacific Ocean? Have you ever looked at the mountain ranges? Have you ever looked ever looked up in the night sky? Tried to look at the sun or the, the moon? The one who made them is far more vast and far stronger than what he made. If he wasn't bigger than what he made, he couldn't have made it. That person, that being, calls you his child. Glory to
1: God. Hallelujah.
0: And you can call him Father. Yes. Stand up on your feet. I want you to say, My Father. My father. Say it out loud to him, My father. My father. Oh, you are great. You are so great, so great, so big, so vast. Oh, just say it out loud to. My great, God, my great Father God, I believe you are able. I believe you certainly can. You easily can. I ask you, I ask you show, me, show you what me what has capped me, what has limited you, has limited you in my life. Help me, Help me to see it. Realize it. Realize it. Recognize it. Recognize it. Give, me the grace. Give me the grace. To go beyond that. Go beyond that. And, be free. and be free. From these limitations. From these limitations. In, Jesus name. In Jesus name. Oh hallelujah. Oh thank you Lord. Just praise him some more. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Lord, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. 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 Hallelujah. I want you to close your eyes. Say it again in faith. Say it again in faith. Lord, I'm not looking down here. On these things around me, things around I, set I set my sights above where Christ sits, where Christ sits. At, the right hand of at the right hand of majesty. These things around me, these things around me are, not who I am. are not who I am, they're not what I am. Not what I am. I'm, in you. I'm in you, and you're in me. And you're in, me. In, you, in you, I'm free. In you, you, I'm healed. healed. In you, you, I'm rich. rich. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of
1: charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information,